Hello and welcome to the Collapse Experiment. This is going to be a mixed match of uh, different articles and different topics because uh, while I do want to cover, uh, there just isn't enough to do separate shows unless you want an actual five-minute podcast episode, which at that point, why? <laughs> what is the point? So, um, yeah, this first section is going to be about the coof. Then I'm going to go into WW3. And then uh, a follow-up to a, uh, a previous article that was, uh, yeah, published by Rolling Stone almost a year ago. And turns out um, it's now, it's, it's quite the um, poop show is what that turned into. So to get started with the coof, I couldn't remain silent. Physician assistant fired for reporting COVID-19 vaccine adverse events to VAERS. Yeah, you read that that is correct. She got fired for doing her job. Wow. Uh, Of course, this is the Epoch Times for her efforts to report injuries to the uh, VAERS system and to educate others in her hospital system on doing the same, physician assistant Deborah Conrad said she was labeled as a <clears throat> anti-vaxxer and fired from her job. Yeah, okay. N- nothing like protecting patients and the public. Today, the New York-based Conrad tells her story at Medical Freedom Conference throughout the country, the most recent being one in Mississippi, where physicians, scientists, and vaccine-injured warned state lawmakers to pull the vaccine from the market. Conrad told the Epoch Times she began to see early danger signals in 2021 upon the rollout and that resistance among her colleagues to report them. Yeah, because this isn't a cult or anything. After the jab came out, there was this uptick in unusual symptoms, some of which I had never seen in my 20-year career. In every case, it was in somebody who had received the jab. So yeah, this is clearly a professional who enjoys doing her job and uh, believes in doing the right thing, unlike the other people who were in charge back then. Conrad said she had never admitted uh, an adult patient with RSV, respiratory... Sincentol uh, virus until the uh, jab. And every patient who came in with RSV uh, was, vac- was vaccinated for COVID. Conrad said it wasn't normal. Then there was the adolescents with no previous medical conditions who had gotten the jab a week prior. Suddenly they were struck with pneumonia and not able to function. They weren't able to walk or eat, and they were completely and totally fatigued. Sounds like me these days. And I never got the jab. I had COVID a couple weeks back. And, um, yeah, I definitely feel like I do have some form of pneumonia. Uh, This was in 2021 before myocarditis was being discussed. So many of those early cases that were probably myocarditis were diagnosed as pneumonia. that's not good. A lot of these myocarditis cases came in with fevers because this massive inflammatory response that was taking place in their bodies so they could be labeled as septic treatment as they were treating pneumonia or fevers of unknown origin. We treated them with antibiotics, all sorts of other things, not realizing that they were having heart failure. Uh, 
Well, this is making me a little more concerned. <laughs> Conrad began reporting the bears, which she said was an overwhelming task, not made easy by its multiple user interface impl implications. My entire life has been taken over by doing these various reports myself. In meetings with leadership, she would propose implementing a report system and hiring someone to manage the reports. <clears throat> and then, you know, here's the important phrasing here. A hostile environment. This is grounds for a lawsuit in most cases, so um, this should be interesting. They keep telling me we're looking into it, and we'll get back to you. Fucking HR. <laughs> I've heard that from time to time. Around April 2021, leadership came back and said, no one else is reporting injuries. I've heard this from time to time as well, uh, implying that I was crazy and there was nothing really going on with the vaccines. Leadership then audited her report, she said, and concluded that she was overpowering. I was then told that by doing VAERS reports and even discussing VAERS, it was an admission that the jab was unsafe, so it's contributing to vaccine hesitancy. No, you had a shitty product. That's why people were hesitant. Uh, your job is not to convince people to do something they don't want to do. Your job is to offer it for people who want to do it. <sighs> Dear God, these people are just fucking insane. And from there, it became a very hostile environment that compelled her to seek legal counsel who wrote letters to the Department of Health, the CDC, and the FDA. Yeah, because that's going... At least she had it documented, right? No one cared. Finally, I had had it. It was so unethical. I couldn't take it anymore. These VAERS reports are critical to assuring these vaccines are safe for all for us all. I could no longer be a part of a system that is lying to the American people. Yep. Conrad decided to become a whistleblower telling her story on Dell Big Trees the High Wire, knowing she said that it would cost her job. Of course. Because these are the people that we want to lose in these positions, are the ones who actually do the job that they're supposed to be doing. Instead, we get these pink and purple-haired wokesters who are just like, have you ever tried chanting the BLM thing? Yeah, that makes me feel better. I couldn't remain silent, even if it meant losing my career and everything I'd worked for. I was fired a few weeks later and walked out like a criminal in front of all my peers. The initiative and education she had brought forth to report to VAERS were squashed that day. National Vaccine Injury Act of 1986. So this goes into the VAERS reporting system and history of that. So yeah, this woman lost her job for uh, doing her job. It's the American way. It's how we do things these days. It's why we're, uh, we're prospering so, so well uh, in many... It's why we suck. This is why we suck. Uh, moving on. And uh, yeah, this, this is... Uh, inter so yesterday I reported that I think it was 800,000 people volunteered to join the North Korean army. Well, <laughs> it's escalated quickly. North Korea claims 1.4 million people just enlisted to fight imperialist U.S. Wow. Okay, so they just had... Uh, uh, it almost doubled. Almost. Not quite. 
North Korean state media has touted a new claim of mass enlistment amid a atmosphere of war and urgent defense preparedness in response to ongoing joint U.S.-South Korea drills, which are the largest in five years. Initially over the weekend, citing to figure a 800,000 citizens having newly uh, signed up for military service, most of them young people, while other state-linked sources are saying it's well over 1 million uh, enlistees. By Monday, the number jumped significantly to 1.4 million. Meanwhile, most of our um, soy-eating, video-game-playing uh, youth are not physically fit to even go through boot camp. That's amazing. Amidst soaring anger and hostility towards the U.S. imperialists and the South Korean puppet traders going mad over the reckless nuclear war provocation targeting the Democratic People's Republic of Korea... The ranks of hot-blooded youth bravely, bravely and vigorously set out to defend the homeland are growing day by day. Uh, Pongyang. The reports follow the North Korean government holding a major new recruiting drive, hosting events across the country. They're probably promising these people food. Uh, it, it's sad, but that's probably what's happening. Like, hey, you know how you get five grains of rice? How would you like ten? Ah, the state media described the youth college students from universities in various places as well as high-end high middle school students from all over the country expressed their determination to join forces in the fight. Oh, God. Yeah, so um, I think Kim Jong-un also fired a ballistic missile again either today or yesterday during this exercise. But it seems Kim hasn't gotten the reaction or attention from Washington he was hoping for and thus could be daily ramping up to threatening missile launches and rhetoric. So remember, North Korea is just a proxy of China and China likes to test out U.S. responses by having North Korea do certain things. And then China's just kind of like, oh, how, so this is what they'll do. All right. And then they write it in their little notebook and they go about uh, plotting world domination. Oh, so let's see here. The last article, and this one is kind of depressing. I did look into it a little bit, and it royally pissed me off because uh, I devoted a lot of time to this story uh, several months back. And uh, lo and behold, again, the media is lying to us. <sighs> so this is from NPR. I know, you're, you're like, why are you listening to NPR? Well, let, let's go through the article and find out, because I have a feeling this is the real news. This is uh, FBI raided a notable journalist home. Rolling Stone didn't tell readers why. Yeah, that was, that was kind of important, Rolling Stone. You know, if you want to be a... Uh, uh, a magazine, a, a newspaper, whatever it is you consider yourself to be of merit, then uh, perhaps you should actually do your job. <clears throat> this is by David Falkenflick. I'm not making that up. His last name is Falkenflick. I never, yeah, okay. Warning, this story contains references to disturbing accusations and incidents of um, child bad stuff. Rolling Stone served up a foreboding scoop. The FBI has raided the home of a renowned journalist at the top of his game months earlier, and he had disappeared from public view. 
It should have been a coup. Instead, acrimony inside the uh, newsroom over how the scoop was edited led to accusations that the magazine's brash leader pulled punches and overseen coverage of someone he knew. Are we going to hear a story about the head of Rolling Stone in the near future? Because uh, that's <laughs> that might be my guess. The reporter who wrote the story, enraged, accepted a position at a sister publication two months later, and her complaints prompted a senior attorney for the magazine's parent company to review what happened. FBI raids on journalists are rare. News organizations often respond with formal protests and legal challenges. Under a 2021 Justice Department policy, raids, subpoenas, and other compulsory Compulsory means of obtaining materials from reporters are banned for any investigation of matters related to their journalism. They should have read that before they went after James O'Keefe. The policy became a basis for a significant shift in stance of Justice Department towards the press. The Rolling Stone story created a stir. Reporter Tatiana Siegel stated that in April 22nd, raid was quite possibly the first carried out by the Biden administration on a journalist. In this case, the journalist was ABC News Sec National Security Producer James Gordon Meek, a former investigator for the White House Homeland Security Committee. Meek had been with ABC News since 2013. He also was a producer of 3212 Unredacted, an investigative documentary that streamed on Hulu. Meek appears to be on the wrong side of the national security apparatus, it stated. As the story noted, Siegel's sources told her federal agents allegedly found classified information on Meek's laptop during their raid. Siegel reported that Meek left his job after, at NBC after the raid publishing contract with Simon & Schuster evaporated. Oh, as edited by Rolling Stone editor-in-chief Noah Satchman... However, the article omitted a key fact that Siegel initially intended to include. Siegel had learned from her sources that Meek had been raided as part of a federal investigation into images of um, bad things happening to children, something not publicly revealed until last month. <clears throat> Why did Rolling Stone suggest Meek was targeted for his coverage of national security rather than something unrelated to his journalism? Uh, FBI... Uh, I'm just going to put this out there. You may want to look at the editor-in-chief of Rolling Stone for certain things. Because uh, this doesn't make any sense. Neither Siegel nor Satchman would comment for this story. The article is based on a review of some contemporaneous communications and also interviews with 10 people with knowledge of the incidents described here, including several individuals at Rolling Stone as well as people at ABC and federal law enforcement agencies. Each asked not to be named because they were not authorized to disclose these matters publicly. Disbelief over the nature of the accusations against the journalist. The raid on Meek's apartment occurred in April but did not become public knowledge until September. Siegel learned details of the raid from Meek's neighbors, yet she felt the story was languishing. At a staff meeting late that month, Sashman asked her what she was working on. She reminded him. The next week, Sashman stopped in to edit Siegel's story. It was rare for him to do so for her work. Hmm... 
As a longtime national security reporter himself, Satchman was periodically expressed to colleagues at various outlets his skepticism of the veracity of government sources. When Siegel detailed the seriousness of the allegations against Meek, Satchman warned her against turning a story that included the words of turning in a story that included the words uh, child <clears throat> in it. According to two people with knowledge, Mark S. Zaid, a Washington attorney who often handles national security matters and represents government whistleblowers, called Satchman on Meek's behalf while Siegel was preparing her story. Zaid previously presented the Daily Beast on Freedom of Information Act cases while Satchman was editor of the site. Zaid confirms he called Satchman and he tells NPR that Meek was a longtime friend and client of Freedom of Information Issues. Zaid says he was representing Meek on any possible prosecution or investigation of his potential possession of classified material. The account given by the associates, colleagues, and friends of the two key figures, Siegel and Satchman, diverge here. According to what Siegel told others, Satchman and she agreed that the article would reflect that the FBI's interests stem from concerns of possible criminal behavior outside the scope of Meek's work. That is, it had nothing to do with the national security or journalism. Satchman later told others that he did not believe that she was nailed down her sources adequately. Oh, that she had nailed down her sources adequately. Rolling Stone's parent company, Penske Media, notes that authority to make such choices for Rolling Stone coverage lies with Satchman. That is true in this case as reflected in the final edits of the story. The company said in a statement to NPR some material was added late in the process and other material was dropped. In a note posted in a newsroom-wide slate Slack channel reviewed by NPR, Satchman asked photo staffers to come up with a generic photograph rather than a picture of Meek. Let's not use a picture of the guy in question, James Gordon Meek, Satchman requested. Eschewing capital letters in a post-stamped needs photo, something FBI, please. The large lead photograph shows federal agents near a crime scene taped in 2018 in California with the agency initials in vivid yellow letters uh, on the agent's blue windbreakers. As the two of them worked to finalize the piece, Siegel was pulled away to help care for her alien mother. Satchman promised Siegel he would ensure the story would land safely while she tended to her mother's needs. Siegel's mother died hours after the article was posted. Penske Media cites Siegel's need to deal with a family emergency as a complicating factor, but says the two were in contact up until the final moments before publishing. In hours leading up to the publication, Satchman changed Siegel's draft to remove all the suggestions that the investigation was not related to Meek's reporting. He left in the finding that federal agents had allegedly found classified information. Interesting. The article left many readers with the distinct impression that the investigation was linked to Meek's reporting, which would lead to a clash of the government and the press. Rolling Stone's official Twitter account promoted the story this way. Exclusive Emmy-winning ABC News producer James Gordon Meek had his home raided by the FBI. His colleagues say they haven't seen him since. 
The tweet's thrust was echoed by WikiLeaks' Glenn Beck and the Freedom of Press Foundation. Oh, and me, because I wrote a fucking book about this guy called Between the Lines, who is James Gordon Meek? If this was related to his work, as this Rolling Stones report suggests, it might be <clears throat> it is a gross press freedom violation. February 1st, the Department of Justice unveiled criminal charges against Meek related to images of uh, bad stuff with children. Among other accusations, authorities say Meek shared a video showing the um, more bad stuff. Meek has pleaded not guilty and currently uh, sits in federal custody. Colleagues and friends say Siegel said she didn't know of the changes to her story until after it appeared online. Associates characterized Siegel as infuriating by, by what she considered Satchman's interference in the independence of her reporting. The Meek case was a particularly complex one, and the editorial choices made while covering it weren't always simple or easy, Penske Media said in its statement. So Rolling Stone stuck to a simple principle, publish in the moment as much information as could confidently substantiate. Rolling Stone has uh, faced tough fallout previously from stories that did not receive sufficient editorial scrutiny. It paid millions of dollars in a series of settlements for defamation lawsuits, filed over a retracted 2014 article that purported to describe a bad event at a University of Virginia. Yeah, I'm, I definitely have to, uh, I'll, I'll throw an F-bomb out, but some of the stuff that they're describing in this article, I'd rather not say. After Columbia Journalism School completed an investigation commissioned by Rolling Stones, the school's dean at the time described a systemic failing inside the newsroom. Apparently, it is still there. Uh, in its statement, Penske Media said that as editorial-in-chief Sashman makes the final call on the use of anonymous sources and background material, it's noted that the magazines posted Siegel's subsequent stories about Meek, including the revelation in December, two months after the original story, and that the Justice Department was preparing an indictment unrelated to Meek's work for consideration by a grand jury. So yeah, it looks like Meek is going away for a long time. Granted, um, we don't know. Was uh, Satchman protecting me because he knew that it was BS and he didn't want to promote a story that was going to ruin his chances in a court of law by making him sound like somebody that he knew him not to be? I don't know. I don't know what's going on here, but the fact that they messed with the initial story and made it into something else entirely, that pisses me off. Um, this is not journalism. This is propaganda. And uh, I'm kind of pissed. I'm pissed that I fell for it. I'm pissed at thinking that this guy, um, well, I mean, we're not going to find out until later. We're not going to find out until you know, in a court of law, and I know that's kind of a joke these days, but, you know, and unfortunately, when you're accused of something like this, do you, does the jury even see the evidence? Like, uh, or is it just like, it, it's like, well, 
we saw this on his phone and that's the evidence presented as like what somebody says on a stand. I don't know. I don't know how this works with the child stuff, but um, it just seems like a very, very suspicious and crappy situation to be put in and try to defend yourself. He did plead not guilty. So who knows? Who knows what's going on behind the scenes? I don't know. Uh, personally, I would kind of like to talk to the Satchman guy to see what he knows behind the scenes as to what the frick was happening and why he would have changed things. But uh, granted, that's not going to happen. Like, who the hell am I? So yeah, you can find a link to this article at thecollapseexperiment.com and read it on your own. I'm going to actually share this with a few other people that I know uh, because they were also covering this story. So... Uh, get the word out and maybe we can get a consensus as to what the frick is happening here. But, uh, yeah, this, this really pisses me off. So, um, Rolling Stone, not a fan. You haven't been good since the seventies. I'm just going to put it that way. Keep on typing.